I'm Evan. And I'm Sam. And, and this, this is, is Movie, Movie Night, Night Madness. Madness. Okay, so this is Movie Night Madness, the podcast that's movies and madness, um, where Sam and I talk about movies. We don't know that much about them, but we like to talk about them anyway. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> this is our second episode. We made it to two, um, yep. which is which is exciting. Yeah, uh, we're not tonight, promising this is going to be any less awkward than it was last week. <laughs> no, probably more awkward. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Like, like if we can increase the awkwardness scale every episode, imagine <laughs> what, what, you know, ungodly creature this podcast will become by the end. Um Exactly. If podcasts are creatures. Now, that makes me think like somebody should take all the most popular podcasts and do, draw like Pokemon or animal versions of them. Which <laughs> sounds like <laughs> the kind of thing somebody on Tumblr would do, but I wish I hadn't had that idea. You see, it's already happening. This is awkward. So yeah. um, <laughs> uh, today or tonight, depending on your point of view, we're going to be talking about Us, Jordan Peele's second movie. So second podcast episode, Jordan Peele's second movie. We'll see if he and us, us, can capture... Yeah. Um, the magic twice. So that'll be a little later on though, before we get to talking about us, um, let's talk about us. How's it going, Sam? How's your week been? It's been pretty good. I've not done much as usual, but, uh, you know, same old stuff, just hanging around my house, waiting for life to happen to me, I guess. How, how are you doing? Pretty good. I worked a lot last week. Um, for those who don't know, listening, I'm a substitute teacher. Uh, in my second year. So where I live, usually uh, sub for a little while before you get a classroom of your own, especially if you're in the city, because jobs are scarce. So you kind of got to put your nose to the grindstone and work through the trenches until you get your own room. <laughs> but subbing can be kind of okay on its own as a job. It's a little precarious, but uh, kind of like a casual job that's sort of like, or a gig kind of based job that's sort of like the, the, the form it takes. Yeah. But uh, I enjoy it uh, for the most part, and I had a solid week of work with uh, mostly middle school kids, which was pretty fun. Got to watch Stand By Me in a high school class. That was good. So mm. just kind of like a good a good, good old week. Uh, I beat the Guardian Ape and Securo Shadows Die Twice, which was harder for me than Genichiro. So if you play that game <laughs> and you're listening, uh, you'll know my pain. Um, but mostly that, that's all. I've been doing video games, teaching, and uh, a couple of movies here and there when I can, when I can sprinkle them in. Yeah, um, sounds like a good week. Yeah, you know, it wasn't bad. This this weekend has been uh, a little less a little less good. It's gone by way too fast, and the weather on Saturday was kind of bunk. Um, yeah, I bet you the weather in Reno kicks ass. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's ah. like a twenty two degrees 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 Celsius today, so it's pretty warm. Degrees, I like that. Degrees. <laughs> that's that's me not being able now, to is, talk is, properly. Is that Fahrenheit? No, Celsius. Okay, good, good. Thank you, because yeah. I hate translating. I can't really. I never. I never mastered it. I can kind of do like feet and inches. I, I can. I can kind of do miles and kilometers yeah. and stuff, but I, I can't really do the temperature. Celsius is the the right way. Fahrenheit yeah. is too. The numbers are too fucking big. They are. Um, it's it's like, taken me a while to get used to it, but I'm I'm there now. I can kind of roughly translate to within a couple of degrees, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I only it's have to do it when I talk method. to Americans and try to explain how cold it can get here. Um, if you heard us, uh, talking on previous podcasts, I've mentioned many times that in February where I live in Saskatoon, it got to be below 50 a few times. That's Celsius. 
So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Like, like it's like, I don't know, like zero Fahrenheit. <laughs> it's, it's cold, Something. man. It's like they said that our city was colder than the surface of Mars. Wow. Um, so it gets real cold here. It also gets really hot, but that hasn't happened yet. It's it's been about it's been hovering around ten degrees in the warmest days, but it's super super windy, and the whole city is covered in dust. So it <laughs> looks like the apocalypse some days. Um, last night I went to see Pet Cemetery, which we'll talk about in the future. But uh, one thing that was kind of cool going to see a horror movie was the whole city was blanketed in mist, and wow. it doesn't get like that often here because it's not coastal. But every now and then you get like these weird misty effects and then the light pollution makes the mist bounce light back at you and it's kind (laughs) of it was kind of cool it was a cool um cool scenario if we're going to see a scary movie yeah Um, sounds it uh you got a trip coming up i do have a trip coming up yeah next weekend i'm going to oregon i can't remember where i think salem i think in oregon um my husband andy is a professional wrestler he's uh his wrestling name is dreamy drew he's on facebook if anyone wants to look him up uh, but hands off he's mine you can't touch him is he a face or a heel he, uh, that's he, about all i know about wrestling <laughs> he does both but most of the time he's a heel nice yeah his his uh, character dreamy drew is this guy who's like really self-confident and like is is like the sexiest man in the room and is like i can take your wife and and lock up your daughters kind of thing yeah so we're going to uh we're going to a production up in uh, Oregon next week for him to do a couple of days. He's got like a singles match and then he's in a tag team with his tag partner, uh, Michael Sean, uh, and they're called the dream boats. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That sounds so, like fun. Yeah. There's been this resurgence of, of wrestling. Like a lot of my friends are into wrestling. Uh, they like rediscovered it from when they were kids. Um, there was like a, like, you know, a period where it like wasn't cool or something. And now it's like, I, I, I think on New Year's Eve, like not last year, but the year before, I went to a wrestling match here and I'd never been to one before. And it was kind of a blast. Yeah. Uh, if, they, if they happen more often in the city or if I knew about them, I might go more often and get kind of into it. But uh, I don't know much about it. I did like wrestling when I was a kid, though. So like, I yeah. followed WCW and WWF back when it was called that. Uh, that's yeah. really cool. I didn't, I didn't realize when we were talking about this before that you weren't going just as spectators, that you're actually, that Andy is uh, performing. Yeah, yeah, he uh, like uh, most weekends uh, we actually are out of town uh, in California for him to go perform. So we were actually in Sacramento last night. He was at a, a production for Virgil Flynn the uh, Third Productions. Uh, he was in a tag team, a triple threat tag team match there last night. So that was pretty fun. Um, I'm like, did you the like word- wrestling before? I w- yeah, I did. I wasn't like a hundred percent into it. Like I like lost track of it. But as like a kid. Like I was yeah. always watching it, like when like Triple H and The Rock were still in it, like they were my boys. So oh, yeah. that they were who I'd watch, and I kind of lost. I remember track that of it, era so. too. Yeah, that was that was probably that was like my second era. My first era was like uh, the Ultimate Warrior and like the original Undertaker uh, stuff, like before he became a biker. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that I, that was but a I remember cool stuff. the the Stone Cold, <laughs> The Rock era too. Yeah, yeah, Mick Foley and all them. Like, and now some of them are movie people, which is kind of cool. It's it's sometimes fun to see wrestlers pop up in movies. Yeah, 
Yeah, we're we're always watching WWE now. Like um, today's WrestleMania, so we're actually going to a friend's house later on to go watch it. That's why I'm getting like nice. picked up in a couple of hours, is because we're going to have a WrestleMania party. Because um, like we're always watching wrestling in this house, obviously, because Andy's like <laughs> a professional that, wrestler. That's his thing, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know. Uh, I, I knew he was. I think maybe you told me once before what he does, but I, but uh, I I knew he was into wrestling, but I didn't know he he was actually into wrestling you know what I mean yeah. like I didn't know he was a wrestler that's super yeah. duper cool I'm like the worst spectator as well or do you like are you, are you just what do you mean worst well like for him because like most of the time he's playing a heel um uh. people like to, to yell at him when he comes out and and or like uh, they'll make comments about him when he comes out because he's not like he's like he's my kind of guy he's like he's he's kind of like a little bit a little bit chubby in places, but like in all the right places. So like obviously mm-hmm. he comes out as like the dream boat and like the, as like dreamy drew the ma- every woman's like favorite man kind of thing. So obviously people there are like, Oh, this is a dream boat, uh, more like a tugboat, oh, all this. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like getting all angry, like you motherfucker, yeah. like I'm going to turn around and punch you in the face in a minute. Like, cause I get so protective of him. Like if I think he's getting hurt or something like that, I'm like trying not to like jump off and get in the ring and be like, are you okay? Please tell me. Yeah. You're okay. And if things are going well, you can't really tell if a stunt is, like is coming off perfectly. Like you, if, unless you're, I guess, unless you're sitting in the right place, you know what to look for. I yeah. wouldn't know, but you would you would like maybe sometimes be worried because accidents do happen in the ring, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you see some horrific accidents in the ring. That's crazy. Um, I'm going to ask you about the trip when you come back because I want to know how, how how that goes and I want to hear more about this. Uh, maybe I think uh, can we? I don't know if we can talk about this yet, but we're we're planning on doing. Maybe we'll maybe we'll cut this if we have to. If not, then you can hear me playing inside baseball with my own podcast and talking about <laughs> but uh we we were talking about doing shazam next week and andy might come on as a guest yeah. so that might be a fun time for him to tell tell us how that all went um yeah and whether you had to punch any uh any of his uh, uh hecklers out <laughs> <laughs> i think right. i'd get into trouble yeah oh probably um Speaking of which, okay, this is like, like, I don't know what's going on with this, but you can maybe tell me, uh, maybe for listeners, like if you don't like listening to, to all this talk about wrestling and our, and our, and our lives, we like our lives. We, we care about them. You don't have to, I guess you can skip ahead if you want, but I do want to ask one more thing about wrestling before we move on. Um, that thing where that dude tried to tackle Brett, the Hitman Hart. Oh yeah. Did you see that? What the <clears> fuck was that yeah. about? I like, was that a stunt or was that for real? Like what happened? Uh, like there's so much debate going on at the moment because obviously mm. we were at a wrestling show last night when it happened, but um, that was last night. Yeah, I think so. Okay, crazy. I, w- yeah. I, w- I wasn't sure if it was a settled matter or not. No, I think there's still some debate about whether it was real or not because like there was another incident that happened as well, like where um, some fans like got into a ring and like invaded a tag team match and it like they start beating each other up and then no one's sure if it's actually a stunt or not, but it looks very real. So I think it's actually quite real. Wow. Well, at the risk of sounding insensitive, um, because, uh, you know, if it's real, he just got attacked by somebody and that sucks. Um, and that shouldn't happen to anybody. But uh, I thought Bret Hart was dead. You know, I have been thinking that for ages. I That's honestly I thought, thought yeah. he was dead. Uh, I thought he was the guy who died uh, in that in that stunt that went wrong, like, like I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. But was that his, was that his brother, Owen Hart? That died? It might have been. 
Who, who's, I'm going to have to look this up later now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, Andy's the person Brett, to ask about this. <laughs> oh, okay. I, well, well, maybe by next week, this will be a settled matter and he can, he can, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, if we have Andy, like, fuck it, let's just do a wrestling podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next Andy week is our special. We should have been, we should cover fighting my family. I should go see that. And uh, I hear good things, even though it's usually not the kind of thing I'd want to go see. Um, yeah. Just because I don't really. I, would, I don't think I'll get it, really, because it's, it's so much about wrestling. But I do like family movies. I think, uh, yeah, let's uh, fuck it. We're Okay, so it's Movie Night Madness with Evan and Sam is now uh, <laughs> Wrestle, WrestleMania Madness. WrestleMania <laughs> Mania uh, with Evan, Sam, and, and Andy, who's here in spirit. Yeah. And, unless he's actually here. Uh, but, no, but no, not really. We're going to keep talking about movies. But next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask more about this Bret Hart thing. Um, because if he's a zombie, we need to know. Yeah. So... Uh, Let's move on to, <laughs> to, to <laughs> anything going on. Yeah, I think uh, Love, Death and Robots is is the thing we should be talking about here because okay. most people have uh, have probably maybe watched it already, but if they haven't, they definitely should because it's just I just I can't even fathom words right now. To you can't 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 words. I can't words right now. I can't even. I I, I tell didn't the people, know, Sam. Tell the people why they should watch Love, Death, and Robots. (laughs) I don't know what I expected, actually, when I started watching it. It's not what I expected. I thought it was going to be like a a series of one cartoon, but it's an anthology of various Mm. different, uh, like, sci-fi, cartoon, animation, uh, all sorts. Everything is in there. Robots, uh, CGI like computer game graphic style uh, stories or cartoons about Dracula or <laughs> there's like, and so much like penis in it. There's a lot so, more penis than I expected. Wow. wow, wow. You know, like that's, we should do a movie review haiku about this. <laughs> Sam's one word review or one, one sentence review of Love, Death and Robots. <laughs> yeah, so much, much penis, penis in it. Much more penis than we expected. Well, that's because like there's this like weird fucking prudishness, especially in American uh, uh, art, I guess, about cock and about just yeah. generally nudity, but, but especially hanging dong as they call it. Um, yeah. So like you just don't see penises very often in, uh, in fiction or in movies. And so it's like always like a big deal when an actor hangs down, um, yeah. which is weird. Right. But yeah, you're, you're, I noticed that too. Uh, did you, did you like all the episodes overall or were there weak ones, strong ones for you? There are, there are weak ones in there for sure. I agree. Some that yeah. I like, I just put on and then kind of like walked off until it was done. But I, I think the good <laughs> thing about this, at this, uh, the series is that a lot of the episodes are like 10 minutes long. So you don't need to spend like hours of your life trying to get through an episode. It can literally be like, right. okay, this is just 10 minutes and then I'm, I'm, then I'm good. But a lot of them were really, really good. The, I think it was like the first what or second episode. Um, yeah. The first or second episode, I think is my favorite. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one the, where the, the woman, one? the fighting with the, the uh. monster and the woman goes into the head of the monster. Right. Kind that was thing. one of my favorites too, actually. Uh, yeah. I think that one kind of set the tone because like it, that is a horny series. Like, um, yeah, when they say <laughs> love, death and robots, there isn't always robots. So maybe they're over promising the robots because a lot of episodes don't have robots at all. But there's yeah. usually death. And yep. when they say love, it's because they couldn't say fucking. Yeah, so it should exactly. be called love, fucking and robots or sorry, fucking death and robots. Although that that sounds weird, like fucking death and robots. It's like a <laughs> metal band or something. But yeah. uh 
but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of fucking, and not all of it is um, like some of it's really gratuitous in a very old school way. Like, did you ever read heavy metal when you were growing up, or or watch the heavy metal movies? There's no, I haven't. I no. did. I did. Uh, heavy metal was like so. My my first stepfather figure had uh, or second maybe uh, there were a few. He had a collection <laughs> of heavy metal magazines, and so when I was like twelve, thirteen, and on the cusp of puberty, um, or hurtling headlong into it. I don't exactly remember uh, <laughs> at what stage I was at at that age, but I started reading heavy metal. I had a heavy heavy metal poster on my on my roof with this like kind of jungle lady, and there was lots of heavy metal was formative for me. I, I really loved those comics because they were very adult in in terms of theme. They were gratuitous about sex and violence in a way that I like that really you couldn't see on TV or in movies, and they were really 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 gonzo science fiction, like just crazy crazy ideas that like you know broke a lot of rules or felt like really stupid. Like, why would anybody do this? But in an awesome kind of way. So yeah. I grew up with, with a lot of that. And I, and I always loved the heavy metal. There's two heavy metal movies. One is an anthology. It's a bunch of short stories, um, in one movie. And then the second one is, is one story. And it was, uh, they all had like, they both had celebrity voice actors and stuff. And when I heard about love, death and robots, it was a while back. And I heard that David Fincher was involved and that it was going to be kind of trying to capture some of that heavy metal magic. And yeah. so that's that's what got me interested in it. So I was like day one. I watched it, I think, part of it the night that it came out. Um, and I really liked it overall. But I did think there were, like heavy metal, there were lots of weak, weak episodes. Um, not skippable necessarily because you kind of got to take the whole thing in as a package, not for any yeah. story reasons. But um, my favorite might have been Good Hunting, the one, the conventionally animated one with uh, it. Go, first, it starts off being like Far um. East, like. Yes. And then it goes steampunk for like no reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that one had it all. Love, death, and robots. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good episode, that one. I liked that one. I think the other one I liked was uh was um Lucky Thirteen, the one about the the ship that like is like the lucky ship that has a mind of its own, maybe. Oh, that was a good one as well. Yeah. Uh, I think like the other favorite episode of mine is uh, I'm not good with episode names is the one where they're doing the interstellar jump and they get lost. Oh yeah, yeah, that one That's was a good like one. that was really good. There's a very photorealistic animated sex scene in that that's very yeah. gratuitous and let me tell yeah. you you do not want to watch that when your father-in-law is in the room with you eating his lunch yes you do <laughs> because that especially when he's eating his lunch because like the end part of that to spoil it a little bit there's like a bit a little later in it where like you see what's really going on and it looks like somebody's lunch yeah yeah <laughs> or that they've lost their lunch but yeah that, that was a good one too i like that one that, that was the kind of thing where it was like um Almost like a, a science fiction short film. Like a lot yeah. of them kind of feel like the good ones feel like that. Another one I really liked was the one with the um, where it was like a, a time loop. Yes. Just because I really liked the animation style of that, you know, like it was yeah. uh, it, it was rotoscoped. So it was like it was very obviously like real people with animated stuff on top of it. But it had this aesthetic, this like really strong visionary aesthetic that uh, that all came together really nicely. And some of the other ones didn't really have that kind of like vision. They were just kind of like, well, it looks like a cut scene from a Final Fantasy game or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and I really thought that one was doing something special and new. Uh, I'd like to see that style uh, in a long, larger project. It reminded me a little bit of Into the Spider-Verse for being kind of like, yes, whoa, this is, yes. I know what animation is, but this is like, holy shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a really good one. I think <clears> that one took me like, 
I think that one I had to like sit down and it took me like a good two minutes to like be hooked into it because when it first mm-hmm. started, I was kind of like not too keen on it. But yeah, that was a really good one by the time it finished. There were a lot of red. I was going to say, like, did you notice uh, there was a lot of ones about rednecks kind of like there's lots of like redneck punk in there. Like there's like three episodes, I think, that are like rednecks fight monsters or robots or rednecks are robots or something. And it was kind of kind of good, kind of bad. Like there there was one of them that I really liked and then another two I could kind of take or leave. I like the one where they're defending the farms. Um, but I didn't really like, uh, the one where it, like the garbage monster one. And I didn't really like the, the one where it's kind of like borderlands where they're trying to do that heist, like the yes. robots, and they're trying to heist that truck. And then it ends like, you know, everybody dies. And then, and then the end is like, uh, oh, by the way, they're not dead. Just yeah. kidding. I, I felt like some of those were like just not well written, but that's just because somebody's trying to do a cool short film and they're not necessarily, there's like a, there's like a maximum about shorts where like you really want to write a short story as a one act story. Like you don't really want to try to write a condensed full three act story, uh, in a short. And a lot of those, I think the, the main weakness for some of those episodes was that they were trying to condense a full story into like 15 minutes. So five minute act one, five minute act two, five minute act three. And it just felt like they were too long, even though they were really short and that they didn't cover enough ground. So that would be my criticism. I hope they get some stronger writing in the, in the next season they do. Cause I I think it was successful enough that they'll do more. Oh yeah, definitely. There's been enough people talking about it on my Facebook for it to, to warrant a second season. Mm -hmm. I'd say, I I think my favorite episodes are all the CGI, like sort of animation ones. They were my favorite. I like that stuff too. Yeah. Do you, do you play video games, Sam? Like, do you see that kind of, like, technology, like, on a regular basis? Or was this kind of, like, a special treat? Uh, no, I, I play video games, so so it's, yeah. like, it's not new technology to me. But I, I do enjoy, I enjoy this new style of animation where they get real people to act out and then they kind of, like, <clears throat> render it afterwards. Yeah, like motion capture stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, I like that, too. The game, um, oh. Oh, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? Or no. Until Dawn with the, the horror Until game. Dawn. Yeah, yeah horror that's a game. game. That's cool. That's yeah. a fantastic game. And that's all motion capture with like uh, a really good cast in it. Like I've, mm-hmm. I literally played that game so I could get every single outcome. Like I 100% oh, did it. <laughs> awesome. We only played <laughs> yeah. it once. And most of our, most of our teenagers died. <clears throat> but I love that game. And that's exactly the kind of game I think that uh, motion captured actors and stuff works best in because yeah. there is the whole uncanny valley thing. I don't really, people talk about it like, oh, they, they look creepy because they don't quite look real. I don't really, that doesn't bother me. I think it's interesting. So yeah. I, I don't mind like really like realistic CG stuff, but I do know people who, who like could take or leave it because for them, it's just like, why not do real people or why not conventionally animate it? Um, and I just don't really agree with that. I, I think, uh, it's kind of interesting to see how much better the technology gets every like five years or so where you can do stuff like the Lion King movie that's coming out or Jungle Book a few years ago where you can make animals that don't quite look real but are believable enough because you know like you the story is good enough maybe that you just buy into it but I just like to see where all this is going Um, because sooner or later the the Tupac Shakur holograms are going to be like you know nobody's gonna be able to tell the difference and that's uh that's a scary and exciting future yeah, um, for sure. So the reason we're we're boosting this, though, listeners, is isn't because it's not popular. Like it is. Like people are are watching this, but it's partly because like even though I have criticisms and I think uh, Sam does too, it's it's the kind of thing I want to see more of. I want more shit like this. Like there's yeah. something 
really cool about about uh, a project like this. It's not safe, really, uh, especially because of all the dick and fucking. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you get like sex isn't, isn't really a theme in in mainstream entertainment very often, uh, and it's certainly not treated irreverently the way it is here. Um, so it's kind of refreshing in a way, and it's it's risky. And Netflix is a huge company, and even though there's lots of criticisms we made about them, I like that they take risks on stuff like this too. Yeah. Um, so th- there's our boost for uh, for love, death, and robots. Exactly. Um, any any final thoughts on that you want to add before we move on to news and rumors? No, I think we've covered it pretty succinctly. I, I it's just a great show. People should watch it. I want Netflix to do more of it, and I want sex to be more mainstream. That's that's my that's my final thoughts on that. There we go. Um, so. News and rumors. I, I kind of want to just talk about, um, the, I don't know what else is big going on right now. Uh, the Joker movie trailer dropped. There's been some interesting uh, movie news in terms of just like marketing stuff, but I don't really like, I don't really want to make this a trailer discussion thing. So I, I'd rather talk yeah. about um, two movies that were announced this week, uh, both of which have been in some form of development for over a decade, and they're both anime adaptations. So one is Cowboy Bebop. Um, which Netflix announced they're making with John Cho leading. Um, and nice. the other is Akira, which is from the same time period basically as Cowboy Bebop. So people watching Cowboy Bebop or Akira uh, would have been watching the other one maybe around the same time if they were getting into anime. Um, they're both late 80s, early 90s is when they would have penetrated pop culture over here in North America and probably in Western Europe. And uh, they're both kind of uh, old school anime where the production values are a lot higher um, and the animation was all like pretty much hand done, I think. Uh, and they're, they're kind of interesting science fiction stories. So with Akira, it looks like Taika Watiti might be making that. He definitely has a, an idea of what he wants to do. And I think Leonardo DiCaprio is producing it. Hmm. Um, he's been trying to get it off the ground for ages. And yeah. I read something about maybe they're, they're, they got some kind of like limitation on their license so they have to start making the movie soon otherwise they're not gonna they're not gonna have the rights anymore so i don't know if they'll actually do it because sometimes what happens is if you have rights and they expire you'll make a project just just so the rights don't go to someone else i remember that that's how that's some of the story i don't know if it's true or not about how that last fantastic four movie got made was the 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 idea was that they the rights would have reverted to marvel unless they made a movie so they're just like kind of threw a movie together, which is why it's bad. I don't really know if I believe that because I think the movie could be bad without a story like that driving it, but hey, whatever. Um, So one of the things that's interesting about these anime movies getting made is I I think you can trace this, this like, to Alita. So I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Alita Battle Angel was the most successful on every conceivable level anime adaptation, I think, made yet in terms of live action anime. Ghost in the Shell was really problematic and Mm -hmm. not not super well liked it, uh, even if you ignore all the race stuff in it it's kind of middle of the road um yeah. it looks cool but it also looks cheap alita was like go for broke like they, yeah. they went for it with that one and it and it's been making money and it's like popular and stuff so that's kind of what i think i think alita's success means that we're going to get some more anime adaptations people trying to capture that lightning in a bottle again yeah alita was great uh, yeah you oh you did see alita right on and you yeah liked i it. did we, see had, alita, we hadn't yeah. talked about it yeah i saw it a couple of weeks after after you guys did um because andy really wanted to see it and andy loved it as well <clears throat> and i really liked it there was like a few there was a few things in it that i i wanted to like pick at but like as a whole <laughs> it was it was a, it was a great film to watch it was really enjoyable to watch i haven't actually seen a uh, cowboy bebop or, or akira my friends kept saying that i needed to watch cowboy bebop and i just never got around to it i think probably because they were telling me to watch it so much that I was kind of like out of principle i was like no i won't watch it 
<laughs> contrarian, <laughs> contrarian Sam. I'll yeah. make a bet right now, though, that you'll like Akira better. Because Akira, uh, you're a horror person, and Akira has, like, lots of horror um, in it, particularly body horror. Okay. Uh, you've probably even seen GIFs or images from it and not known that's what they were from. Um, and I think you'll dig that part of it. And it's also succinct. It's just a movie. Uh, Akira has a bunch of uh, manga as well, but, like, you know, you don't have to read those. Um, the movie stands alone nicely. And then Cowboy Bebop is a series. It's not a very long one. I think it's like, I don't even think it's the full 26 episodes that, that nowadays most anime series are. Um, and it's kind of, a, it's kind of got a little bit of a, uh, a jazzy space Western sort of vibe. Like it's, uh, okay. it was probably a huge influence on Firefly. Now when you're aesthetically, it's not anything like Firefly, but there's like a vibe that it has. It's kind of similar. Yeah. Um, but it, they're both really, really good. I didn't watch Cowboy Bebop until maybe three or four years ago. And because uh, it was just hard to get a hold of. But Akira, I saw when I was a teenager and I watched it a lot. And it's still <laughs> one of my one of my favorite movies. Um, I love that movie. So I'm excited that with with what Taika Waititi has said he wants to do with it, because for a long time, the rumor was that they were going to do uh, an Americanized version. And I can I can see that. Like if you set it, if you reset the movie in a different place. Then you can you can make it an American version of the same story if you want to, right? Um, yeah. But Taika Waititi doesn't really want to do that, I don't think, which is kind of cool. Um, he wants to cast Asian actors. He wants to set it in Japan. He wants to like really go for it, um, and he wants to adapt more of the manga than than the movie did. Yeah. Uh, the original animated movie. So at least he's trying to look at looking to offer something new. And that was one of the cool things about Alita uh, is that even people who'd seen the anime or who read the manga, there was stuff in the movie they wouldn't have seen before because they they took that all as a starting point and then kind of built from it. Yeah. Um, which, I, you know, I didn't I didn't know that until after because I, I never got into the Alita stuff until after I'd seen the movie. That was my first, you know, my, my doorway into it. So I'm kind of excited to see what's going to go, what's going to happen. But I, I won't go on and on since you haven't seen these things. But maybe we can check back in in a while and uh, as, as maybe more news kind of funnels down about these. And we can see uh, what you make of Akira and Cowboy Bebop if you get around to watching them. I'll add them to my list and then uh, I'll watch them and I'll let you know. <laughs> the lists. So that'll do it for news and rumors this week. Um, and I guess uh, that brings us to our big discussion. I know kids at home have been waiting a whole half an hour for it. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about... Us. Now, I thought I already done told y'all to get off my property, okay? So if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. I like the way you say us. It's kind of like, say it again. Us. Us. Is us. Like, a, like us. Okay, good. <laughs> so we say it differently. Are you tethered? Are you one of the tethered, Sam? I don't know. I wouldn't tell okay. you if I was. Oh, yeah, I guess not. No, yeah, you would. You, like, you wouldn't be able to help it. I'd be able to, you'd be wearing a red jumpsuit and a glove and some scissors and... True. I'm actually a lizard person. Um, oh. I've just gotten really good at pronouncing that word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Us. <laughs> I like it. Your accent, your accent makes that, that word sound like kind of like eerie a little bit, which is cool and totally appropriate for, for this movie. Um, so just so you know, we, we did talk about this last episode, but this is the first time you're listening to us. We are going to spoil the shit out of us. Yeah. So do not. And I don't mean we're buying ourselves candy either. I mean, we're going to spoil the movie. So do not yep. listen further if you don't want that to happen. And normally I don't care about spoilers. They don't really hurt my enjoyment of a movie Same. Uh, or a TV show. But in this case, I implore you not to listen if you haven't seen the movie. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. Me too. If I had yeah. known, I specifically avoided spoilers for watching this because so many people said 
that it had such a big major thing in it that I didn't want to spoil it for myself. So yeah, although I'm not usually a spoiler person, if you have not seen the film, do not listen. Like actively yeah. turn it off and come back to us when you've watched it because you will ruin the film for yourself. Because we'll fucking get you if you don't. If we find out that you're listening right now and you haven't yeah. seen the movie, we will we'll find you. And listen, don't come for us. Don't at us. Like, we've yeah. told you. We've given you, like, a good two minutes of warning here. Like, That's we're going right. to spoil the shit out of this. If you come for us because we've spoiled the film for you, we're just going to beat your ass. Well, maybe not, but we're just going to be very stern. We'll be very disappointed in you. We'll activate Snark. <laughs> oh, no, not the It's snark. like Voltron, but but it's just a couple of people on the internet and there's no <laughs> robots. <laughs> but we can, we can we, by our powers combined, we'll summon Captain Snark lit. Yeah. Um, I, don't know that, I wonder if people will understand that reference. Uh, it's not really much of one. So, you know, um, I def definitely obfusc obfuscated it by, by changing words. Um, yep. Now I'm explaining my joke kind of, and I shouldn't do that. So anyway, uh, let's talk yeah. about us and let's, and let's, 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 let's start with that fucking twist because um, why not? Right. Yeah. Uh, let's jump right in. Yeah. I want to ask you this. Did you see it coming that uh, Adelaide, 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 that she yeah. was uh, a tethered the whole time? Yes. When did you figure that out? Uh, from, pr I pretty much knew from the start. Yeah, like, same. Yeah. From jump almost. Like it was yeah. just like kind of, like, I mean, there's lots of really, <clears throat> excuse me, lots of really good hints at it in the movie that I yeah. think on a second viewing, I'll pick up even more of them. But I, I really, it was telegraphed big time. So I didn't think it was like, I don't think that's a bad thing, by the way. That's not a criticism. No. Um, I think it kind of, like, especially as things get weird and the tethered show up, it starts, it, it gets you to think, like, I almost want, I almost want to say that, like, and this is really speculative, but I almost want to say that Jordan Peele wanted you to pick up on that twist because he wants you to be thinking about what does it even mean to be tethered or real or what yeah. while all this shit's happening. So I kind of was, you know, and I felt like I was, because of that, I was like, kind of, I was chewing on the meat of the movie while the movie was happening, which isn't yeah. necessarily for some movies. It's not the way you really want to watch them. Like you want to be much more, you don't want to be so cerebrally engaged. You want to be more viscerally engaged. Yeah. Um, you know, but maybe that's why he made it a horror movie because then, you know, you're, you are viscerally engaged by the horror elements while you're thinking about the twilight zone shit that he's doing, you know? Yeah. Um, cause it is very, <clears throat> excuse me again, lots of dust this weekend. Uh, it is a very twilight zone-y, kind of twist and a very Twilight zone -y kind of movie, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's very much like a, a Twilight Zone episode, just yeah. longer. Did you, did you mind the twist or were you, were you on board? Like, did it, and did it change your enjoyment of the movie at all? Um, I liked the twist. I just, I have questions about okay. the plot. I think uh, there the wasn't... Well, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not very no, good no, with, I, I think, I'm not very good with movie words. So <laughs> I bet you that's the right word. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but like, uh, I kind of either wanted it to explain it in full and have right. me know the full history of what was going on there, or I just didn't want them to explain it at all. And the amount yeah. of explanation we got just confused me more about what was happening. I was just like, right. what? You know, with the with the twist with Adelaide, I was kind of like, why did she stay there? Like the one that was like taken, why did she stay down there? Right. Like, like there's no, the movie doesn't tell you how, if she's trapped or what's going on. Yeah. Cause I get, I get that she was handcuffed. Right. So, so there's that, but she has memories of being above. She knows that she's not supposed to be down there. And if the only thing keeping the people down there is an escalator going one way, like, well, I think it's 
what they are. Like that that's one of the things that's kind of confusing about the movie and it's it's like it is like a kind of like a like a thing that you kind of have to interpret, but the the tethered I don't think are fully like the movie sort of shows them as being subhuman in some ways. Uh, that's an ugly word for it, but really just not capable of the kinds of things like free thought or communication that that we take for granted. So they, they yeah. can only grunt, they can only they can't really express themselves, and they um you know they they seem very caught in rhythms and not fully in control of their behavior and actions. Yeah. Um, they seem more instinctive, more more animal-like in some ways, which is part of the point, I think. And, like, she's, like, the only one that isn't like that. So I wonder if, like, if what traps them down there is just their nature. Uh, and I think the, the, the movie's playing with that in a way. It wants you to ask that question. It wants you to be like, are they not human? Uh, are they human? What, what do you yeah. think, audience? And what does it say about you? that you think what you think. And, uh, you know, so she never leaves, um, but she's a little girl, right? So, True. you know, what? I don't know if, I don't, yeah, it's a weird thing. Like, I, I do agree with the criticism that they could either have explained 20% less or 20% more, and yeah. it would have it worked slightly better. Um, although there was somebody who said, I can't remember where I, where I picked this up. It might have been um, somebody I talked to about the movie with had said that, uh, well, what's important about Adela- uh, Red, that's the name of Adelaide's doppelganger. What's yeah. important about Red and what she says is that, uh, you know, um, it's her belief. I believe this is the story behind what happened um, and that it's, it's really a myth that she's created to explain all this to herself. And there really is no explanation for who made these people, why they're there, what they're really for and what they're really supposed to do. It's just one woman who is kind of a visionary and a leader. It turns out, uh, it's just what, it's just her story, her narrative. And I think that plays into the movie's themes a little bit too, right? This idea of like creating a narrative for yourself, a story. Um, cause Adelaide doesn't really remember. I don't think being red, being, being down there. Uh, she she recovers those memories as the movie unfolds. I think, yeah. you know, it's not super clear. I think we're supposed to wonder. Yeah. Um, so you wanted a little bit more plot, uh, a little more exposition or information or a lot less, right? Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. just wasn't. Yeah. I think as like a, as like a, a home invasion kind of horror movie, it, that portion of the film I, I kind of enjoyed and then mm-hmm. this kind of like mystery around what was happening and who they were and how they got there kind of like dampened that a little bit for me so I right. I kind of like swing between like really liking it and then not liking it at all so a lot of people have been saying like this is one to see twice because then those like and I feel like that could be true like um Cause like it, it is kind of a confusing movie. Like it doesn't really, it's not, it's not, it's not dumb, uh, confusing. It's, yeah. it seems like it's smart. It seems like it's doing something, but it might not be it, like, it's not, it might not be easy to capture at the first time through. I don't think I did. And usually I think I get movies like this the first time, but I don't think I really did this time. Cause I've had some, uh, theories about what the movie's about, about not plot, like not what, ha- what happens in it, but what it's trying to say, um, yeah. thematically, that I, that I've got pushed back on and I've kind of had to rethink a little bit and I'll get into a little bit more of that later. But for now, I, I wonder if like, cause we're talking about like, so the home invasion stuff, the way that it's a horror movie. And then it's like this really weird horror movie with this whole doppelganger element and doppelganger horror movies are a whole subgenre, although there ain't that many of them. Yeah. Um, 
the aesthetics of it are cool, right? Like the, the bunny rabbits, the tunnels, the red jumpsuits, the, the, the voices that they have, whether they can talk or not, all that kind of stuff, the scissors, all the iconography yeah. and aesthetics are so good. And the yes. whole premise itself, the idea of like doppelgangers coming to kill you um, because they want, they want what you have and they're tied to you in some way. It's not just that they're thinking people that want to just replace us like clones and a clone story. It's something much more uh, like instinctive and, and like, like emotional in a way, like something that that's way less like rational and way harder to like think around or try to, or even understand as a, as a person. Cause like, you know, imagine being in that situation. It'd be really hard to understand why somebody who looks just like you is coming to kill you. You you wouldn't be able to reason with it. Like, like it's like, uh, uh, Winston Duke's character, the dad guy, he tries, he tries to reason with Abraham. He tries to talk to them and they can't, they're not going to reason with them. The yeah. only one that can reason is Adelaide and she's been driven or sorry, red and she's been driven nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like she's, she's batshit and she's like gone completely, completely, uh, like crazy. And, um, I don't say that to diminish her, uh, sympath- the sympathy you might feel for that character, because I think by the end of the movie, you're supposed to feel a lot of sympathy for, for red. Um, yeah. Even though what she does is abominable. Uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I do feel some sympathy for her. So her craziness isn't really about me trying to dismiss the character or, or her cause. It's more just like, you know, like all that pain and suffering, as as often is the story, drives uh, a kind of aggression, a kind of myopia, a, a tunnel vision, uh, which is not really a pun, but almost about <laughs> what, how to get, like, you know, this whole vengeful thinking, like, got to get back at them, got to make everybody hold hands across America because I saw a commercial when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and, and that, th- like, what's the end game of that? Like, what's her, like, long-term plan? She says it's they're going to replace them and they're going to live above the surface, but there's no fucking way. Like, yeah. the National Guard's going to roll in and just, like, wipe them out probably, right? Like, they're just standing there. So it's a statement, like she says. And it's not really, if you get thinking about, like, what are her plans, what's her end game, that's how you can kind of tell that she's not all there. And yeah. it's the same with Thanos in, in, in Marvel. Like, I remember when uh, Infinity War came out, People were just like falling over themselves to be like, Thanos did nothing wrong. And this whole like weird Thanos worship contingent in fandom. And I'm just yeah. like, that's bonkers. Like the minute you think about like the, the, if you just think about Thanos's whole plan for a while, you can see how batshit he is. And that's the point, you know, yeah. that people who suffer or who are, who are driven up against a wall, sometimes they snap. Right. Yeah. And people fall really easily into cult mentalities. It's really yeah. easy to get humans to be in a cult. It's like, yeah. it's so yeah. easy. So, yeah. Especially it, disguising it, like, dis- or, or if it's like a necessity, like if that's all you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, can, an interesting question is like, can the tether actually not talk? Or is it that they've never talked in their lives before? Nobody taught them how. They never learned. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so many how questions. Human, yeah. Because Adelaide learned to talk. Right. And that's yeah. what suggests that the tethered, if anybody wants to say that the tethered aren't really human, because that's what I thought at first. I was like, oh, this movie is like a liberal indictment of Trump America where they're all wearing red. They talk like uh, their spokesperson talks about God uh, and God's plan. Um, they're, they're like ostensibly followers of Reagan because Hans Cross America was a Reagan thing. There's all yeah. these like themes there. And I thought, oh, this is like a liberal shot at Trump America. Um, where they're subhumans, they're, they're the deplorables or whatever. But Peel was cl- more clever than that. And instead, it's more actually like, hey, they're, they're actually us. If Adelaide can, can be raised with love and with uh, uh, socialization, she becomes Adelaide, not Red. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Red's like her dark reflection um, because 
she wasn't raised with that. She was raised in darkness and suffering, and she grows up to reflect that darkness and suffering. Yeah. You know? Oh, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <superhero>, now I get it. <laughs> superhero stuff does this all the time. Like, uh, it's always about dark reflections of, like, who we are. Uh, uh, Black Panther, to quote a movie where two of the cast members are in it, um, or not quote, but reference, uh, <laughs> has Eric Killmonger, who was raised, like, in a, you know, in the American... Uh, prison to or uh, school to prison pipeline, and the only way out is the army or or sports or rap, uh, and so he ends up chewed up in the American war machine and becomes a dark reflection of like everything that he was deprived of as a, as a as a kid. Whereas T'Challa, Black Panther, grows up loved, supported, privileged, and he becomes like a heroic, uh, altruistic person. You know. Yeah. And it's like that you see this uh, theme returned to over and over again that like what separates a good guy from a bad guy is got has got a lot to do with um, how we are treated by others, you know? Yes. And what that teaches us about ourselves. And I think us is kind of about that um, while also being about like this division in America, Uh, whether you want to think that it's it's uh, Peel going after. Uh, the right wing, or if it's Peel saying what lots of liberals said after Trump got elected, saying we got to listen to them more. They're just like us. This division is false. There are people and we should treat them better than we do. Or if yeah. it's really just about poor people and rich people and how we should really treat poor people better. <laughs> like, cause yeah. that's a, that's a thing a lot of people uh, have talked about with re- regard to this movie. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like what I read about when I was trying to understand the themes of this film, because I didn't get any of that when I was watching it. It wasn't until like I read into it afterwards and I kind of got it. But now that we're talking about it, you've kind of like explained it to me in a way that I can understand it now. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like when I was watching the film, I wasn't getting these themes at all. I just didn't, I didn't understand it. But maybe that's just because I'm not American. (laughs) Well, I think that's a big part of it. Like, like I'm Canadians are American adjacent enough and I'm just by personal interest in my own politics uh, I'm versed enough in some of this stuff to kind of pick it up a little bit, but I got a, a few pieces of this definitely from discussion by American film critics who are tapped into what Peel might be doing uh, in terms of iconography and theme and just the time and place that 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 characterizes this movie. Like, it's not an accident that the first scenes in the movie, which threw me for a loop, I didn't know it was going to open when Adelaide was a kid. I actually had thought from the trailer that the kid that you see in the trailer is a younger version of their daughter. Yes. So when it turned out to be actually Adelaide and Red, I was I was thrown off and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Why are we doing this whole like extended intro in the 80s? And it's not an accident. You know, none of that. None of that's an accident. And uh, I think not getting a movie like this on on first first go is nothing to be ashamed of or worried about, because like this is definitely the kind of movie where uh, you kind of like rolls over you in a way. And hopefully it just works really well as a horror movie the first time you watch it. And then maybe watch it again to engage with what else it's doing, you know? Yeah. Maybe I do need to see it again. I will say though that that extended opening, I was bored. <laughs> I was really bored in that extended opening. Did it play opening. against expectations too much or was it just too slow? I think it was just too slow. I was like waiting for something to happen and I was just like, no, this is boring. Now, do you like, mean the, the credit sequence or the, just the bit where she's a kid wandering around? The kid where she's wandering around. Yeah, because the credit sequence in this movie rules and I, I will hear no different. Um, I love that slow, that slow zoom out of the bunnies and the the fucking really creepy music. Because the music in this movie is awesome. Yes, by it the is. way, it's maybe yeah. my favorite thing about it. Um, but but yeah, I, I kind of I kind of agree with you. Like, I mean, I, I going back like like after it was over and I started to understand where it fit into the movie. Um, 
I, I was less bothered by it, but I remember kind of being like, what is this? Like, why is this yeah. what is going, you know? Um, yeah. and, and I'll, I'll tell you a spoiler alert, but that's, that's sort of the feeling I had the entire time I was watching pet cemetery. Um, right. was just waiting for things to come together. Yeah. Um, in some way, uh, did you think this was better than get out or not as good? Um, can you compare your children? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I don't, yeah, I don't can, think can you, play, play you can, but, uh, I'd probably say I enjoyed get out more. Than, mm-hmm. I, than this, but I did enjoy this for what it was. If did you think sense. this was scarier than Get Out? This was like this was more horror than Get Out. Yeah. Get Out was yeah, more I cerebral, I think, more mm-hmm. uh, more of a thriller kind of. A kind thriller, of yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas this was like straight up, people are getting stabbed and and yeah. their throat slit. And the violence in it is very upsetting. I yeah, thought. yeah, it's very uh, to the point with the violence, but. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. I I enjoyed the home invasion kind of thing. That bit of the film I was when I got really into it, when it was like these people are in a house. And and then when – I will say it was exceptionally well shot as well. The, yes, I agree. The, the lighting really works and the sound design of the film really works. And um, some of the shots they do are just fantastic. And the yeah. editing, like there's some like cutting uh, later on in the film where they cut in where she's a, a ballerina and she's performing on stage and they're kind of right. tying that all in with the, you know, with them, them fighting down in the tunnels, like fantastic. Yeah. Like this film is, is, is fantastic. Uh, editing direction, you know, scene wise, it's just like story elements. I have problems with. <laughs> yeah. The story didn't hundred percent work for you, but we can, yeah. we can agree that it's a, a super well-made movie. So yeah. the fact that get out was so well-made wasn't an accident. And, and I do think, I, I think, I, I think I like us better. It's more my kind of movie in, in a lot of ways than even Get Out was, although that's very much my kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of think um, Get Out isn't really that weird. Uh, no. <laughs> it's got a Twilight zone vibe to it. Like the idea of like body jacking black folks. Like that's, that's very Twilight zone you know? But yeah. um, uh, like this movie though is way fucking weirder. And yeah. that's more my jam. Um, and the story worked for me a little bit better, uh, than it did for you. And, but, but I really liked everything you said about how well made it is. Um, yes. cause that, that's that and, and performed too. like Lupita Nyong'o, like people uh, are talking Oscar buzz for her, for this movie. She's and it would fantastic. Be, she's so good. She did yeah. like, and we all knew she was good anyway. Um, yeah. but this movie is like a whole other thing. The way she acts as red is so creepy mm-hmm. like she is fantastic and the fact that she plays these two characters and they're the same person but they're different and she she nails it she absolutely yeah. nails it the way she carries herself the way she walks around as red is so creepy like she's so like straight and f- like fast but like smooth and it's like you can't really predict what she's going to do next yeah uh, so their fight scene is awesome like yes. you don't expect to have a great fight scene in a horror movie but i think the one in this is an all-timer yes yeah like it's really good and it's not good because it's like super well choreographed but it fucking is really well choreographed it it's is. just not like you yeah. know it's just not in an obvious way like we're used to seeing in like an action movie uh, i was going to say about the home invasion stuff so home invasion is a genre of horror that gets done a lot and it's really hard to i think i imagine like trying to make a movie like this you have to have some like um some real vision because and some real like guts because like what more is there to be said about home invasion? How are you going to surprise people with that? But yeah. as soon as that starts kicking in, like, and, and the movie doesn't waste 
it has a long intro, but it doesn't waste too much time after we're, we catch up with the characters when they're when uh, Adelaide's an adult. They don't they, they don't take too much time getting to the the goods. Like the first time you see the tethered, almost they're they're right they're colliding right there. You know, it's it's a collision course, yeah. and then the movie just kind of runs from there. And it's pacing. We can say that the first the first bit messes with the pacing a little bit, maybe, but overall, I think the the everything after that is super well paced, and um, it does stuff with home invasion that that is new ish. Or at yeah. least fresh feeling and exciting, which was really cool to me because I love home invasion movies. I've seen <laughs> yeah. all the great ones, you know? Yeah, me too. I remember thinking, uh, have you seen Hush? Yes. So Hush was the last time I remember being like, wow, like so, like somebody like has raised the bar on home invasion movies yeah. uh, again, you know? And before that, I think it was Funny Games where I was like, holy shit, you know? And uh, and then us kind of raise the bar again, you know? So yeah. the next time somebody makes a home invasion movie, they're going to have to, uh-huh. they're going to have to come, come yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, and this movie totally, totally does that. And then it gets, and then it gets, you know, indulges its own weirdness, which is, which is really sweet. I thought, cause, uh, again, bunnies, people like doppelgangers, all that stuff is just catnip for me. Yeah. It's great. And I will say as well that the comedy in this film was really good. Like, yep, obviously agree. it's Jordan Peele, so he's, he's going to yep. nail comedy. But like, <laughs> I, but I thought it was better integrated than in Get Out. Like in Get Out, it felt like the movie would stop being a horror movie and become a comedy for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. Like, I'm okay with tonal changes. Yeah. Uh, they don't really bother me. But in, in Us, I felt like it was almost like like he was just like playing improvised jazz piano with the tone yeah. like just just like swinging from genre to genre sometimes in the same scene or sentence even i think i, I think somebody said that uh a quote a critic gave was like it goes from comedy to horror in the same sentence sometimes i think i heard yeah. that somewhere and i i really agree with that that assessment like it's it's just um magical yeah it was like the right amount of levity at the right times as well yeah. it was like just when you needed a little bit of of comedy he would he would add it in and like all the stuff with the boat was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how the boat and the flare gun and like the way the movie uses um, Chekhov, the Chekhov's gun trope. Um, do you know that one? It's a Star Trek thing. I've heard it, but I don't... It reminds me. Tell me. So Chekhov's gun is when you show something in a, in a scene um, like somebody has, somebody has a gun, right? On yeah. the wall or on the mantle. If they don't use that gun at some point in the story, then it's kind of, it, it sets up expectations in the audience that they don't even know they're having that don't get realized necessarily. So yeah. like when they, when they, when a movie can do two things with that, they can either introduce a red herring where they show something specifically because they're subverting the, the expectations of the audience or they can, uh, they can pay it off. And I, I really love the kind of um, playful way, as even in Get Out, he was doing this too, but Peel has a knack for, for playfully doing Chekhov's gun and for creating, showing something like the, the, the little sparker that the kid has, yes. um, the mask even, even the, the fact the kid's always wearing a mask and then you see his tethered and it's like, it pays off. Yeah. And other things too, like the baseball bat, the flare gun, there's just all these great setup and payoff in this movie that, that, that either subvert or, or like play into our, our expectations when we're, when we're subconsciously seeing things and understanding that they're going to be, they're going to matter in some way, even if it's small for a joke or something. Yeah. And then it happens. Yeah. And it always happens in a cool way when you don't necessarily expect it. Yeah. Like the, uh, the engine of the boat played into that as well. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm still not quite yeah. sure how he ended. And I'm still not quite sure how he ended up to killing his tethered with the the engine of the boat. I'm not sure what happened there. 
Yeah, uh, like he knew. I think what it is is like he tied it. You can see it's hard to see because a lot of the movies shot at night. Yeah. Um, but he ties his leg to it, and then I think what happens is. Uh, like, cause the engine we see earlier that the engine doesn't really work. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he has to hit it, right? Yeah. Cause he hits it and like, he's, he thinks he's like smacking it cause he doesn't know what else to do. And then he's like, fuck it. And then it goes and he falls into, you know what I mean? Early yeah. in the movie. Uh, and it's really funny cause his family's like, what a dork. And then <laughs> in this bit, uh, he ties the guy's leg to, to, I think the rip cord. I think that's what happens. And then when he hits, he knows that smacking the engine is going to make it start again. And so it does, and it pulls the cord down. And then Abraham, uh, his, du- his double, falls into the water. And of course, the motor like rips him apart, right? I think uh, that's what okay. happens. Is yeah. it? Or, or does Abraham, does it look like he dies there and then he doesn't? I can't, now I can't remember. No, I th- he does die there. It's just, yeah, the it happens so up. quickly that I yeah. can't, I couldn't figure out what happened to kill him. Um, it does bring up though two things I want to talk about, um, and they're kind of connected. One is the, the 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 more specific thing is the kids. I really really like the kids in this movie, and kids, especially in horror movies, aren't always like horror movies are where kids go to like build their careers, like almost like kid actors. Yeah. Like if they're good in a horror movie, they usually can write their own ticket. Yeah. Um, but it can be hard, like kid, like kid actors are, a lot of people won't watch movies that have kids in them because they just flat out don't think kids can be good actors, which I think is fucking bonkers. Like <laughs> kids are often great, but yeah. sometimes they're not. And I think the two kids in this movie are f- fantastic. They're yes, so good. They are. Um, you, yeah, okay. You agree. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was ready to defend them, but, um, I think they're both really good. Uh, especially the young kid, Jason, uh, with, with the mask and his, yes. th- especially his tethered. I think the creepiest character in the movie isn't even red. It's Jason's double. Oh yeah. You yeah. Know, the, the way he bug. moves and yes. the noises he makes is like, yep. especially the bit like this doesn't happen to me often like in horror films like i i can watch a horror film and not react to it but in this is the one of the films in the longest time that has made me go like jump a little bit and it was when at the start when right. he goes outside with the bat and he's shouting at them and they start to move and jason just drops and crawls yeah. off into the bushes i was like oh. <laughs> like i probably had this moment of like when you like when you're looking at a spider and suddenly it moves and you don't expect it to that was like that was my reaction to it i was like oh yeah so yeah, yeah they I were totally fantastic agree. yeah they're, they're like i'm i'm one of those people like i don't really get I'll jump from a jump scare sometimes because I'm just startled, but I don't get like, I don't get to, I always know I'm watching a movie. That's one of the reasons why I like horror movies because I don't, they don't, they don't get under my skin too much. My my wife's on the opposite end of the spectrum of liking horror movies where they really get to her. Like she, she can't like, she comes home, the lights all got to go on kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Um, They, they really get into her, her psyche in a way they don't with me. At the same time though, I can, I can recognize when a movie is doing is effective at being a horror movie though, where I feel unsettled, where I, where like it's doing a good job and it's, and it's interesting, you know? And, and like, uh, so I think I can tell when a movie is legitimately scary. And I think us is often, um, there's not any false notes or bits where it's trying to be scary and it fails. Yeah. Um, and, and the, both of these points about the kids and about that connect to what I was going to say about how the movie deals with, um, with violence and especially the, the violence that, uh, the family does because, yes, in a lot of horror movies, there's a part where, especially really violent ones, like um, Hills of Eyes is my go-to example, the remake from 2006, one of my favorite yeah. horror movies. So, and also, just by the way, one of the most right-wing horror movies that there is. <laughs> um, and movies, uh, horror movies often are uh, politically coded as fairly conservative as far as movies go. So that, that's something interesting to think about maybe if you're trying to figure out what us is trying to say. But yeah. back to my point, um, <laughs> the family, in, it, like they respond 
they become very competent at killing very quickly. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and they're kind of unflappable. Like the kids in particular, the reason I focused on them is because there's this bit that I really, really love in the house where they know they're going to have to save their mom. And they, they're both, they both look at each other. And it's like so much like no, no dialogue, no point in, in them talking about it. Like, can you kill or any dumb thing they might think to, to have written for these characters to say? And so yeah. they just look at each other. And the audience knows exactly what they're thinking and, and, and saying to each other with that look. And yeah. then they grab weapons and they go upstairs and they save their mom, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, Adelaide has a reason. Like, she's, she's one of the tethered, so she's got a kind of violent... The movie suggests that maybe she has kind of a violent or the tethered have, like, a violent thing going on anyway. And I'm not sure what to make of that at this point. Uh, I, think, I have to see the movie again to parse that. Yeah, I, t- I think it's tr- the movie's trying to say that they're more primal, that they're more uh, yeah. more closer to their basic human instincts, which is 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 violence mostly. And then the question is, is that nature or nurture? And I think the argument is that it's mostly nurture, but maybe there's something in all of us, us that uh, <laughs> makes us like competitive and violent, um, yeah. even, especially when we're faced with like somebody who's basically us, it's somebody that, cause I mean, there's this whole thing, this whole idea. And I think Peel probably was thinking about this a lot when he was writing it, that, uh, we don't like our own tendencies when we see them in others, yeah. you know, like deep down, we know, uh, who we really are. And, uh, we try, we do a lot of things to hide pieces of that from ourselves or to cope with the fact that we don't really like ourselves very much sometimes. Um, and then we see other people that are like us in some way and we clash with them. Um, yeah. I think that that's something the movie's playing with. <clears throat> the idea that Adelaide, uh, like when she goes really feral, that she's sort of responding to that part of herself as she's seeing it in Red. Uh, who, and Red is never really feral, um, but she's still violent. Yes. You know, there's maybe something something in there. Uh, and, and so the, the characters, the family, they become, they don't really even stop and think about it. They become very effective at killing, uh, tethered, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and kind of like, it, it, it isn't really a moral question and it isn't really, uh, there's no bit where they sit down and they're like, holy shit, we just killed somebody time to sweat it out the way that like a lot of fiction, um, is very humanist and treating human life like it's sacred. So yeah. if you take a life, you're supposed to have nightmares and feel bad about it. Uh, us is not like that. No. And I think that there's like a political point to be made there, you know? Um, <clears throat> not that the characters are dehumanizing the tethered exactly, because Adelaide has these moments where she's she seems very empathetic with the children especially. Like she's got no time for Red. And the minute she gets a chance, she fucking just kills Red brutally. And I didn't I actually didn't think that was going to happen. But no. when she sees the kids, she feels something for them. Yeah. Um, an empathy, you know, like maybe they're, they're, they aren't, it's not too late for the kids to have turned out differently, probably because she was a kid uh, when she changed, you yes. know, or started to change. So there's a bit of that going on that I think is interesting. But at the same time, uh, it's almost like violence is some kind of equalizer. Like if you come to my house and try to kill me, uh, I'm going to kill you right back. You know? yeah. like, and, and I wonder, um, I feel like that, you know how like there's always like Fox News is always blasting immigrants are coming to rape and kill Americans and steal their jobs, right? Yeah. And this also happens in the UK. It's why Brexit, partly why Brexit's a thing. Yeah. Um, it happens all over the West as, as we get more and more right wing uh, in our in our national politics. Um, <clears throat> like, I wonder if Peel's sort of invoking that a little bit, like saying like, okay, like, you're, this is sort of like these people that live on the surface, they're sort of like everybody and, uh, they're well-meaning or they're whatever. And then, oh yeah, there's, there's this group of people that really are coming out of the, out from underground, almost like they're tunneling into America, like they say Mexicans do. And yeah. they're coming to kill you and take your life. Cause it isn't just about killing. They, they want, they, they fixate on something about like Abraham takes the glasses, um, Jason tethered 
as a, like I, I can't remember Pluto. He's in, he's like into magic. Um, the yeah. other the sister like she her double runs and then when we, when you see the white family it's even more pronounced because Elizabeth Moss in one of the movie's creepiest scenes is like cutting her own face after her double had talked like her real person had talked about plastic surgery and then she screams and she can't scream like she can't actually make a sound yeah and, like just stuff like that really suggests this idea that. Yeah, we think these we think people are coming to kill us and take our jobs or take something from us and replace us. And there's like a bit of that, but then it's actually like, wait a minute, like they're 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 still maybe humans. You know what I mean? Like we, we want to react to them with violence and uh and annihilation. But can we really do that? Because yeah. like why does Jason look at his mother the way that he does at the very end of the movie? Yeah. Like he knows something, right? Yeah. He does. There's a, there's a fan theory that he's a he's a tethered too, but I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe that either. Did you did you encounter that theory? Uh, no, I haven't come across that one. I the one I've heard is that the reason that he was able to control his tether was because he has a stronger connection with the tethered than yeah, because they're so young. The rest, though, right? yeah. yeah. So and I think it's because it's nonverbal. Like the the Jason like never speaks to his to his double ever. No, uh, they just feel at each other, kind of, you know, like, and they, and his double doesn't seem to want to kill him. Um, no, he, he, he's curious. He's more curious about him. You know, yeah. the, way, the way children who are told they're supposed to be enemies might not actually act like enemies. You know, they might, they might actually be too curious and and starting to push at boundaries that adults are setting. You know, yeah. so there's like a lot going on there that I think is uh, is uh, is interesting. Um, yeah. So it didn't surprise me or take me out of the movie when he was able to get um, Pluto to kill himself. No, no, that was that was a nice plot point that yeah, like kind that of too. tied all together. And um, because because they were mirroring each other in the closet when he was like playing the games with him and stuff. So it was kind of like a nice way to be like, yeah, they are. He wasn't just playing like they are still kind of connected so that he can like still save. Like save his mom by being tethered. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, oh, speaking of which, like that, like that whole bit in it being in daylight is like because it's almost like Peel's like, yeah, anybody can do a scary movie at at night where you can't see people in the shadows and, and you don't know what's happening. So fuck that. And then he does a bunch of daytime stuff that's really scary too. And, and my favorite bit of that is when Red is camouflaged against that red car, and oh, then yeah. she like comes, she like comes out like uh, like you know, and and grabs Jason. I love that. That was that was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, we talked about all the actors pretty much, but I want to talk about Winston Duke a little bit because everybody's like praising Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, I haven't seen many people talk about the kids who are fantastic, but I really like Winston Duke. I thought also killed it in this movie. Yeah, um, he was to me especially being like a a chubby nerdy dad was yeah. very relatable. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like I felt like sometimes I was like, is this me? <laughs> like, is this? <laughs> and other times I was thinking, is the Jordan Peele right? Cause they look a little bit alike. Jordan Peele looks a little bit like, um, Winston Duke's shorter brother kind of, like they yeah. look a little bit alike. And, and I, I kind of thought, you know, this is funny. Maybe this is like, cause like all the, all the ways that, that Winston Duke's character like fucks up and like has like these pratfalls. I was kind of like, I, I think Jordan Peele was having some fun at his own expense here, you know, like, yeah. uh, and I, I really liked that when I was, I was, I was really, I, I felt aware of that stuff and I was very, I was having fun with it. That was a fun part of the movie for me. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it felt like Winston Duke was almost in a different movie in terms <laughs> of like, you know, being the source of a lot of the comic relief. But yeah. it's a testament to Jordan Peele's uh, uh, skill 
that he was able to make that work and not completely break sequence of his own movie. Because sometimes that happens. Like if you watch a movie and then there's a character that pops up, they act like they're in a completely different movie and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, his comic relief was great, but he was like a great actor as well. And um, the different moments he had in the film, like he was very like a real kind of like how you would expect a dad to react in those like circumstances. Like I could like put my, I could put my dad into his shoes and just be like, (laughs) I'm going to go outside and threaten these people. And then as soon as they start moving, he's like, nope, right. Nope. Call the police. Yeah. Because he's always trying to be like, there's there's some stuff about like identity and how we see ourselves in this movie too. Like he's always trying to be, um, there's a keeping up with the Joneses going on. So like he, he wants to be manly and he wants to be uh, accepted by his neighbors. And like he, there's that part where he's like, he bought that car just to fuck with my head. And yeah. it's like, because he buys into all these um, affectations of yeah. what like you're supposed to be like. Uh and, you know, like, I mean, race doesn't play a big, as big a part in us as Get Out does, at least not uh, overtly. Um, but there is something to be said about that. Like the idea that like uh, like it, it's especially interesting that they're trying to be this like coastal elite family, like kind of like, you know, college educated, uh, ostensibly great jobs, the vacation in Santa Cruz. Um, and, you know, he's a black dude. Yeah. Like, worried about what the white dude thinks of him you know so there's a little bit of that and I, I think the movie's more about classism and class than it is about race but these things are connected so i'm sure on yeah. some level I, I leave it to kind of um i leave it to, to to black critics uh and uh viewers to kind of like explain uh as they write reviews and and talk on podcasts like yeah where the intersection is and i think that i haven't seen a lot of that yet um but i, I think that's gonna be really interesting to see um yeah what else can we I was talking about identity, and I mean, I want to fo- focus on Winston Duke about, about that, but it's really all over the movie. I think Adelaide doesn't care about fitting in as much. Um, but then you wonder, like, why did she quit dancing? Why, why, did she, why did she agree to go to Santa Cruz at all? Yeah. You know? Like, and they, obviously they've been there. I think it's Santa Cruz. Obviously they've been there a few times. Is it Santa Fe? I've no been idea. to California. <laughs> Yeah, but I've not been to that part of California. Um, yeah, me neither. I think it's I think it's Santa Cruz. Fuck I, it, who cares? I could be wrong, but yeah, I'm I think not, I'm not googling this shit. Yeah, I think the reason I thought it was that, Myrtle Beach when I saw the trailers. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. I would. I think the reason that she agrees to go back is because of her tether to uh, Red. I think right. Red knows that it's time, and Red is kind of like calling her back almost. I think that's the general feeling I get because even though Adelaide is the tether and not not the like quote real human or whatever, um, they Red is kind of like my plan has come to fruition now. It's time for you to come back, like, and that's why they're all going back that way. That's the feeling I got anyway. No, I, I agree with that. I never thought about that, but that I like that idea a lot. I think that that fits perfectly with with the movie, and uh, definitely is is smarter and more astute than anything I could have come up with to explain it. Because like I just thought at first it was like a coincidence, <laughs> but the idea that there's like a pull, I like that better. Especially because yeah. like there are coincidences that start popping up. Like she starts to notice things, and then she tries to, and it starts to jog her memory. Or maybe she's just been keeping the secret for so long she doesn't really know how to talk about it yet. And then she tries to talk to uh, Winston Duke's character, whose name I can't fucking remember, and um, and he doesn't really believe her, it seems like. But I, I do like that scene because he doesn't... There's like He is kind of just like, ugh. But at the same time, <laughs> there is a... Uh, 
there's a sense to which he's trying to believe her. And in a lot of movies like this, it would just be dismissive. Yeah. You know, you're a crazy woman. Like, that's a trope, <laughs> right? Like, you're just a crazy woman. Like, shut up, you know? Yeah. Or like, just like, just like, oh, honey, it's all okay. And I mean, that's very common in horror movies where yeah. uh, somebody starts to sense something is wrong. It's usually the housewife or, because they're almost always housewives. Like, they don't, you know, they're stay-at-home moms. Um, as Pet Cemetery has one of those. Uh House on no Haunting of Hill House is kind of like plays with that idea a lot. Yeah, uh, Mama fucking um, at least Mama had a cool subversion of that. Anyway, there's a lot of that in horror. It's very common. Yeah, uh, and in this one, he kind he listens a little bit more than yeah. I think uh, men typically do in those scenes in typical movies. That of course, like Lupita Nyong'o is playing the character with like a certain amount of ferocity that maybe she doesn't always exhibit. So like, there's also the thing that where like in that scene she demands to be listened to. Yeah. She doesn't let him just dismiss her, you know? Yeah. And that whole scene as well is about her, like, sense of foreboding and sense of doom that something is coming. Yeah. Like, she's like, this this mirror girl is coming for me. Like, yeah, I can yeah, feel it. Yeah. So, like, that whole thing is, like, is kind of, like, uh, foreshadowing for them coming for her. So. Right. So I, I think this still has a lot to do with her being the tether. Like, that's why she agrees to go to Santa Cruz. That's why she gets this feeling. Like, it's because mm-hmm. she's still very strongly tethered to the real Adelaide, who has gone crazy. Yeah. And I like the questions that that raises about, like, who's really the dancer? Who's really, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. did, did Adelaide only dance because Red did? Like who, who, which came first, chicken or egg? Like that's sort of the question that, and it doesn't like, it's interesting because like while, while I'm asking that question and, and people probably come away from this movie thinking about that stuff and trying to piece it together, it doesn't really matter. Like thematically, the movie is trying to say that that question is, is like a, a, a red herring that obfuscates the, the moral point the movie's trying to make. And it reminds me a little bit of Inception in that way where people really fixated on, was it all a dream? And they missed the fact that the movie's arguing like, pretty much all the time that it doesn't matter if something is a false experience or not. If it has a cathartic outcome, yeah. if it makes you feel a certain way that changes your perspective, then that experience is valid. Right. Yeah. And, um, it's a new kind of like, not really a new kind of thinking, but it's a kind of thinking that flies in the face of like our typical, like, uh, cultural, um, uh, assumptions about like the, you know, you always got to be logical or it's always got to be facts. It's always got to be, uh, rationality as best as we can get. And there's something like objectivity in the, in the world, you know, that we can actually get. Uh, and you see this more, more often, uh, in certain groups in society than others. But I do like the idea that, uh, that movies get like, like movies are, are an art form. So art can get made and people can watch it and can understand it. And there, it's, you know, it isn't really about piecing together the plot, you know, yeah. it's really about what the characters experience and, and what it tells them about themselves. And then of course we're over here watching the movie and we're like, what is this experience telling us about us? Yeah. <laughs> us, 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 us. Is there anything else you want to say about this? Well, I was just about to ask you what your final thoughts were. I mean, I, I feel like we both probably would recommend the movie. Yeah. More than one viewing, probably. Like, uh, I think that I think if you're going to go into this one, um, it should be two viewing. So a yeah. lot of you listening to this might have seen it once already. And maybe they have mixed feelings or they're, they're, they pretty much think that, you know, that was good. That was, that was a great movie, whatever. Uh, I still recommend to all comers that you see it twice. I'm going to go see it again as soon as I can. Yeah, I think I'll probably watch it again. I might watch, wait in for it, wait for it to come out on DVD or something so I can watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy really didn't like it. 
So oh, really? I don't think I'd get him to go to the cinema with me again about <laughs> it. He, he, yeah, he just thought it was too confusing. Yeah, no, I, can, I can see that. Um, like, I mean, we're like, I, I push back on this a lot, like with people that I know, like people get really attached to plot in movies. Like they think plot equals story. And that's a failure of education, really. Like, like uh, the way that like figuring out what a story is, is taught to us when we're kids. Yeah. Uh, is often lacks a cohesive idea about story. So story is really like a bunch of different things. It's plot, character, theme, conflict, setting, right? It's yeah. all of those things. That's what you need all of them to be a story. Plot is always the easiest thing about a story to engage with though, because I mean, it's, it's literally what happens. It's yeah. what the movie is doing. And it's where the characters are uh, and how they're moving through space where setting is more, more about atmosphere and how like, it, it is literally where the characters are too, but it's also about like what that, what that is uh, in terms of the story. Like why, why should a story be set in nowadays versus 1950? Like you're, you're saying something by doing that. Um, and I, I think uh, as long as a story has good drama and good themes and good character, it has all the other elements working in tandem very well. I can forgive um, a plot that doesn't completely come together uh, just because like to me, plot is, probably the most boring part of a story. Quentin Tarantino famously uh, hates like like dealing with plot stuff. He's like one of my favorite directors as well. <laughs> yeah, like he, he never writes his characters talking about the plot. And he, and he he's, just, he's famously disdainful of the idea. Uh, people used to ask him like, why do you have all these scenes of characters talking about things like whether to tip waitresses or sex or whatever? And he's like, because you're not going to have a table of, of hardened criminals hanging out talking about the plot. Yeah. You know? Well, not that you, you can, not that you can't do that. You can heist movies do that, but yeah, but it's very much like a. It's not true to life. Like right. you That's, don't sit around, a, you don't sit around a table and and chat about like I don't know what you could I don't know b about your life kind of thing. Like the story of what you're gonna do. It's kind of like you do chat about weird shit. Like what do we what do we tip the waitress or um, like shit like that. Yeah, and I think for the most part, Peel. Uh, in both Get Out and and Us, he avoids the problems with 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 staring you directly in the face uh, as an audience and, and talking about the plot to you. But at the same time, horror is horror has a huge issue with exposition dumps. Where like sometime in the in the late second act of a movie, you'll have some character give their theory or an explanation, and it could be like a real legit explanation that you're supposed to believe that oh this is this is what's happening, or it can be just a theory. And weak horror movies tend to tend to have some clown in the movie give you a really stupid theory, and that's supposed to satisfy the audience's need to understand the big picture in some way. And I feel like we both agree that us uh, maybe falls prey to that a little bit. I do think that when um, yeah. Red stops and explains what she thinks is going on. She's info dumping a bit, even though it's just her beliefs. And yeah. there is a thematic component to that. But at the same time, it's still a horror trope, you know? Yeah. Uh, Pet Cemetery does it. Uh, Bird Box had one of the worst examples I can think of where the <laughs> fucking Kmart conspiracy theorist guy is like, <laughs> gives you a bunch of like theory interconnected, like QAnon level theories about what yeah. these creatures or whatever are. And the yeah. movie just like yeah. gives you that at face value. And that's all we get for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And I, and I kind of think there's like, uh, oh man, I don't know. Like, you got to show, not tell uh, with, with that kind of stuff. And I think horror has a hard time doing that all the time. One of my favorite horror movies from last year was called The Ritual. It's on Netflix. Oh, I love and that it does film. A, yeah, I, I love that fucking movie. And it does a really good job of avoiding this. Yeah. Nobody, like, like there, there is a bit where the people explain what's really going on, but it comes way after you kind of understand it already. Yeah. I think. yeah. 
You know, it's almost just like sticking a feather in a cap. And uh, and it, it, I don't know, like you can there's good ways and bad ways to do it. Uh, I think us doesn't do it in a particularly bad way, but it's still a thing that that I wish horror movies could figure out how to not do or maybe subvert it more. Like one of my things about Cabin in the Woods is that it the whole movie is basically an exploration of like what's really going on behind the lore mystery thing. Yeah. And it's it, it just engages with that the whole movie and it's hilarious and awesome. But yeah, you know. That's like one of my favorite movies, Kevin in the Woods. Uh, I, lo- I love that movie. Yeah, it's great. So I think final thoughts for for us. I think um, it needs more than one watch, for sure. Uh, don't go into it like just to watch the plot. I think don't take it at face value. You've got to kind of think about it a little bit. It's asking you to think about it. It's asking you to take measure of your life, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Take a deep dive. Yeah, it's it's asking you to to look at the bigger picture of the society that we live in today, um, and 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 how that's affecting future generations. I think that's the that's the the message. I think that Peel was trying to get across with it. Um, right. It's a fantastically directed movie. It's a fantastically produced movie. Um, if you just go watch it for for the film itself, I think it stands alone on its own merits just simply for for the production value for it and and the the sound the music uh everything it's just if you try not to think about it too hard maybe <laughs> don't try I not think, to I look there's into no it easy answers so you're yeah. supposed to kind of think about it as hard as you feel like thinking about it but like i don't think there's like really uh i'm sure peel knows exactly what he's saying but i, I don't i like that the movie doesn't really hand it to you exactly yeah it's it, it's leaving it up to you to decide what's happening so yeah, I'd say go watch it. <laughs> yeah, go watch it. Get the get the fuck off. Stop. Hit stop. Hit pause and 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 go see it for the second time. Because yes. remember that you, you like sometimes we talk when we're doing this. Like maybe you haven't seen the movie yet. It's kind of hard to to summarize or recommend something, and and still like because like I mean if we're assuming that you've heard or seen this movie before already, uh, why are we recommending it to you? So think of this more like us, us summarizing it and, and trying to recommend that you watch it twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. On that note, let's do a movie review haiku. <laughs> Be careful. Did you ah. prepare this time, Sam? No, I didn't. I wanted it to be as awkward as possible. I thought you would. Okay. Um, <laughs> so do you want to do the first stanza or should I? You can do the first one. Okay. Uh, five syllables. Yeah. It's us versus them. Seven. You gotta do seven. Yeah. And then we'll do the last one together. <laughs> um, so while, while Sam thinks about her stanza, I just want to get to something that I, I forgot to mention earlier. And I, you know, it could have been a much bigger part of our discussion. It probably should have been, but much bigger part of what I had to say about the movie. But, uh, th- th- this film is basically Plato's allegory of the cave, a famous philosophical, um, story or thought experiment. Um, that's about people in a cave who think that the real world is a bunch of shadows on a wall that, uh, some other people do with like, you know, they're standing by a fire and they're, they're making puppet shows on the wall with, with shadow puppets. And that's what people in the cave think is the real world. And then one person gets out of the cave and goes to see the real world. Um, and I think the, the story goes that the, when the person sees the real world, when they're allowed to see what, what life is really like, their first instinct is to go back and bring other people out and show it to them and share it with them because everybody's been living under this false illusion and they kill them for it. Uh, this particular person, I think, I think is how the story usually goes. Philosophy 110 was a long time ago for me. And, uh, you know, I should think about the cave more and know it better, but this will do for now in this film. 
Uh, it might be an indictment of Adelaide, particularly that she is the person who comes out of the cave, sees what the real world is and what's possible, and does not reach back for her brethren, her, her people. She abandons them. And then there's some ideas about class mobility and how once you become rich, maybe you, you're like, fuck you, got mine, you know, which <laughs> might be the American dream in a nutshell. Fuck you, got mine, you know? Yeah. The poor can, can, can die and, and, and fuck off as long as I'm not one of them. And that's sort of like a really grotesque uh, perversion of, of, of the morality that the allegory of the cave is sort of like suggesting, I think. So, so that's something I didn't get to say earlier because I forgot, and now <laughs> I've said it, and I need you to have that seven stanza line or we're canceling the podcast. Okay. Uh, play, <laughs> Plato's cave is a lie, A. Eh? Is a lie, A? Yeah. Okay, so so for our first two sounds are, it's us versus them. Plato's cave is a lie, A. <laughs> I like that. Okay, uh, fifth stanza we'll do together. Um, how many syllables is Lupita Nyong'o? Lupita Nyong'o. She's, it's six. Ah, uh, too long. Or can you say Lupita Nyong'o? Okay, for the sake of our haiku, Lupita Nyong'o, I'm sorry. We're going to fuck your name up. So uh, it's us versus them. Plato's cave is a lie. A Lupita Nyong'o. That works. And that's our movie review haiku. Now without clapping. It's us versus them. Plato's lie. uh, It's us versus them. Plato's cave is a lie. A Lupita Nyong'o. Yep. That Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> imagine trying to fit like more of the actors' names into that. Oh my god. Um, funny that you that you threw an A in there. I'm not sure how many times I said A this time uh, in the podcast, but I bet you I said it more than once. Yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> that's gonna do it for uh, this episode of Movie Night Madness with Evan yep. and Sam. Um, Sam, where are you at on the internet? I'm on Twitter uh, as at underscore uh, oh no at sam underscore jane with a y uh and you can find me on instagram as well as at just base b-a-s-s i'm on twitter at evan todd mccoy all one word e-v-a-n-t-o-d-d mccoy um you can also find my blog thunderclam.wordpress.com i haven't updated it in a while but there's a lot of long form uh, analytical movie reviews as you probably expect listening to me talk yeah. on there you can check those out uh i need to get back into into writing those things yeah um you do. so uh, credits go to keshko they know nothing for our intro music and broke mc seeing things is our outro music yep um, and if you have any thoughts on us that you want to share with us or uh, thoughts on the podcast in general, feedback, uh, or you just want to say hi or you want to make some recommendations for us to watch, then you can get in touch with us uh, by email at movienightsne at gmail.com. Smash that like button if there is one on your app of choice or your yep. website of choice. Subscribe, and follow. Subscribe, follow. Shit. Leave a review. Yeah. Uh, of some kind. Say nice things. Don't don't say mean things. We're no. uh, we're sensitive. You know, we're uh, we're real sensitive over here. Yeah. And if you want to be mean, at least make it, you know, something that we can funny. use like critical or, you know, uh, or funny. Yeah, oh. we'll take funny. <laughs> we'll take, I, I was going we'll for like funny. constructive criticism, but, you know, okay. funny, funny, funny and constructive. That <laughs> that is now the standard. Yeah. We won't okay. listen to if anything it's not else. those things. We're just going to ignore it because we're just going to think we're doing everything exactly the way it should be. Exactly. Well, so make it funny headed. and critical. 
If you want to, you want to change your minds. That's that's what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so next week we are going to be doing uh, Shazam. Yep. Yeah. And that that movie is getting some raves, so I'm excited to see it. Yeah, and uh, my husband Andy will be joining us uh, to give us his thoughts on it because he watches films in a completely different way, and he's a big DC fan, so uh, he loves Shazam. So I'm looking forward to having him on. And I, I don't love the DC universe in general as much as some do, um, but I'm not I'm not a, I'm not tribal about my comic book superheroes. So I want all of them to be good. And I loved Aquaman. I loved Wonder Woman. So I'm hoping Shazam is uh, is another step up from the. Yeah, they seem to be uh, really uh, bringing DC back. I think for the last couple of years they've had some downs, but now they're back on the ups. So we're looking forward to discussing that this week, next week. All right, come join us, and we'll see you then. Well, what are you waiting for? Can't you see I don't watch anymore? <laughs> Just get out of here, you stupid, dumb animal! <laughs> you already filter information from sound, smell, and touch, but now you're going to be assaulted by a million things you never even knew existed. It's a whole new level of confusion. People are going to expect you to be able to do things that you can't do. Read signs, recognize body language, people's gestures, facial expressions, and just get out of their way. Your eyes will want to dominate how you perceive the world, but you can't fully trust them, not yet. In the next few weeks, I'm going to help you to see the world like it really is, okay? Some of it's going to be wonderful. A lot of it's going to be difficult, but the main thing is to be prepared. And that's where I come in. We're in this together. I mean, really look at it. I think so. Why? Has it ever moved? No. Not to my knowledge, anyway. I can make it move. When I was a kid, we had a picture like this in our house. Not the same thing, exactly, but pretty close. A boat. My mother used to tell me to look at it. She said if I looked at it long enough, it would move. All I had to do was keep looking at it. I didn't believe her, but the idea fascinated me. One night I spent the whole hour just staring at that silly boat. And did it move? Yes, 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 yes. yes.